Welcome to River's Edge Church Podcast. Each week we strive to bring you biblically accurate, exegetical preaching of God's Word so that you might belong, believe, and become like Christ. We hope that you will find this week's message beneficial in your walk with Christ. As we get ready for our time in God's Word today, um, I want to catch you up. So for those of you who have your Bibles with you, you want to turn to it, we're going to be in Habakkuk. Um, or, you know, the way I was taught to say it when I was a kid, Habakkuk. So um, please, if you want to turn there, you can. Um, last week, we started our series, When God Doesn't. Um, you know, a lot of times we have expectations that um, God's always going to respond exactly how he thinks he's going to respond, according to our plans of how we want him to respond. And when he doesn't, when things don't work out the way we think, it can, it can be catastrophic to our understanding. But I think it starts with us not having a good theology of who God is. What does it mean to be God, a creator, all-knowing, all-omnipresent? So we're going to, as we walk through this, you know, my hope is that you'll pick up on some things. Last week, we really focused on a couple of things. One, um, we saw in Habakkuk the prophet complaining, and we actually went through this complaint. And then what we saw was an unusual response from God. And the reality is, is there needs to be some realness if, you know, if there's going to be a relationship. A relationship can't be based on a, you know, anything fake or, or anything that we project. It has to be real, which means that when we're experiencing real pain, we need to take them to our real father. If, and then we have to understand that there's going to be an answer, and it may not, we may not like it. You know? um, but we also focus on the fact that God's ways are not our ways. And faith is trusting God even when we don't see him, when we don't hear him, or when we don't feel him, right? Like that's the big thing today is, oh, I didn't, I didn't feel God. And, and there's a reality of we trust God even when maybe our emotions aren't where they should be. Maybe our mindset isn't where it be. Or this majestical spiritual feeling we're supposed to be overwhelmed with isn't necessarily there. Because God has promised he would not forsake us, right? And so we trust on that. Now today what we're looking at is we're actually looking at Habakkuk's response to God's unusual response. And so we're still going to be in chapter 1, but we're going to start in verse 12, and we're actually going to go into the very first verse of the second chapter. Okay? Um, and what I want to point out today is um, we're going to be looking at what hope is, in a sense, of this acronym that I found, sort of. Um, there's like 900 versions of this, by the way. So if this isn't the one you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is the one I found, and I liked it because the key here is, is the end part. So hold on, pray expectantly. And I think that's one thing that we have to really see in, in Habakkuk's book is there is an expectation of an answer, an expectation that God's going to respond. And I think the challenge for us today as we read this we should be asking ourselves, do I pray because it is expected or with expectation? Okay? Many of us were brought up in that mentality of, well, you have to pray. Right? You're, you're a Christian and you've been saved, so you have to pray. It's an expectation. But do we pray with expectation? I expect God to respond. I expect that. When I go to him, I expect him to respond. When I go to his word, I expect him to speak to me. When I sing praises, I expect that he will hear them. 
Do we live our life that way? And I think this minor prophet is a really good example of how we live that way. He wasn't speaking to us directly, but that's what he was teaching, the Israelites, and what we need to be taught as God's people. So I'm going to have my brother Mark come up, and he's going to read for our passage today. And as he's reading, I want you to keep that in mind. What was the expectation that Habakkuk had of God? Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? My Holy One, you will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one, is wicked, while one who is wicked swallows up one who most uh, more righteous than himself? You have made mankind like the fish of the sea, like marine creatures that have no ruler. The Chaldeans pull them up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet, and gather them in their fishing net. That is why they are glad and rejoice. That is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. For by these things their portion is rich and their food plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. The word of God. So we're going to try something different, which is unusual for my Baptist in the house, okay? Um, I'm going to, we're going to do a little call and response, but you probably know it. So um, when I say God is good, what do you think the response would be? Okay, so God is good? And all the time? Good. We're going to do that a few times, so just hang with me today, okay? All right, let's make sure we got it down. God is good? And all the time? Man, that's good. All right, you ever had someone say or do something that takes you by surprise? Like just out of character, right? All, all the time. <laughs> I, I think especially, I think about recently, there keeps, you know, the media has been filled with just men whom I, at one point or, or another in my spiritual life, kind of looked to, whether it was through their books or their teachings, and I've seen kind of their moral failure. And, um, you know, the, the reality is, it's, it's, you know, they're men. And as much as we want to hold them up, on pedestals, those pedestals weren't rightly deserved, you know? Like, we've sometimes highlighted people that perhaps they didn't deserve that because they wrote a good book, or they expanded really well on God's Word, um, or they wrote a great worship song, you know? And there's the reality here that sometimes we put people in positions they shouldn't be holding the expectations they don't deserve, and then we get shocked by it. But there's something interesting that, you know, the one thing that won't happen is God may surprise us, but he won't let us down. He won't forsake us, right? And Habakkuk is actually pointing this out in his book today. Um, his second complaint has been treated in such a way, though. His second complaint that he has for God has often been treated as almost blasphemous. How dare he talk back to God? But what I want you to recognize and what I hope you get today is, is if you pay attention closely, here's a man of great reverence to a great God. He's not just flippantly running his mouth and arguing. He's recognizing, he's speaking to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And his problem is, is he can't wrap his head around how such a great and good God would use such a terrible people. So I want to I walk you through a few things. So if we look at verse 12, right, it's a straightforward verse. It starts with, 
a very interesting. In fact, the Hebrew actually starts in this way. It says, Yahweh, Eloheh, Kedasi. I know, I had to work on that, okay? I had to practice that several times. <laughs> but it starts with God, my God, my Holy One. I'm not going to lie to you. When I, when I read that, I was like, man, that reminds me of another outstanding prayer that we were all taught. Our Father who art in heaven. Holy is his name. I know we learned hallowed, but I've looked it up just to make sure. And it's holy. All right? Holy is his name. How wonderful it is that we learn that as a child. We see Habakkuk here repeating something that's not going to be said for another, who knows, half a century or half a whatever that is, 10 centuries, 500 years. There we go. His proclamation, before he says anything, starts in reverence. This is how he starts his prayer. His conversation with God is, God, you are holy. You are my God. You're not just, you're the God, you are my God, you are a holy God. And so before anything comes out of his mouth, he just starts with reverence. And immediately after this reverence, he starts with some truth that he knows about God. He starts with a passage that actually references Psalm 11 in some ways. He says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate any wrongdoing. And in, in Psalm 11, there's a hyperlink here to that exact same kind of conversation. And I've shortened it because it's not long, but it's pointing to something specific. It says, Lord, in his holy temple, the Lord, his throne is in heaven. His eyes watch, his gaze examines everyone. The Lord examines the righteous, and he hates the wicked and those who love violence. And there's this reference here, some of it's worded, some of it's not, that he's pointing to over and over again. How, God, can you use such evil people? He also references something in verse 12. He says, uh, you will not die. And I wanted to point this out because it's important because some Bibles actually say something different, and this is recent transition. Some say you will not die, and some say we will not die. And that can be confusing, so I want to help alleviate some of that because I think it's important. We don't want to let little things stumble us along the way. Obviously, if you is the translation, it makes a lot of sense. God is God. He's everlasting. There is no end. There was no beginning. But if the older text say we, there is another reality. Habakkuk isn't pointing as an individual. He's not pointing at a collective small group of people. What he would be pointing at is Israel. And he's reminding God of something really important. God, you said that Israel would outnumber the stars. You promised Abraham they would be like the grains of sand. There would be that many. And so he's speaking promises back to God that God's already made and already declared. And I, I think it's important we recognize this. Sometimes, I don't know about you, I struggle with what to say when I'm hurting, when I'm confused, when I'm frustrated. I struggle with what do I, how do I, how do I expand this? Like, God, I don't understand what you're doing here. It feels like everything I'm doing is absolutely falling apart right in front of me. And when I run into those situations, one of the things we can do is look back at great men of prayer. Habakkuk could be a really good example. One, we reverence God. God, you are great. You are wonderful. You are prominent. You are all these things. You are my holy one. 
And then we speak truths about who God is. God, you're everlasting. And God, you've promised. You've promised you would not forsake me. And I feel forsook, if you will. I feel forsaken. God, help me. I feel broken, and you said you'd be with me when I'm broken. I feel overwhelmed, and you promised you'd be there when I'm overwhelmed. And so we take these things, those, those moments when we're struggling, when we're broken down, when we don't know what to say, we can do this. We can lean into these things. Habakkuk is teaching us an example of this, and we should take that. Back to verse 13, when, we was, when uh, Habakkuk points out, he goes, you, your eyes are too pure to look on evil, right? And he's trying to wrap us in. We talked about this some last week. How's a good God allow bad things to happen? And if God is good and God hates evil, not only is he allowing evil to happen here, but Habakkuk, he told Habakkuk he was going to use this evil. He was going to wield it for his will. And, and I'm not going to lie to you, in, in my immature faith, I would have wrestled with this greatly. I mean, how do we reconcile the idea of God using evil for his own will? But I mean, how did God use Abraham to be the father of Israel? How did he use David to write the Psalms? How did he use Solomon to build the temple? Or fishermen to spread the gospel or a cross to save the world? See, God's will will happen. God's ways are not our ways. Because God is good, and all the time, and we need to remember that. God can take any hurt, he can take any pain, he can take any evil, and use it for good. Now, that's hard for us to reconcile, especially if we don't have a, 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 a deep faith. Some of our faiths, my faith was an inch, wide, or inch deep and a mile wide. I could tell you all the things without any experience. And it's not until we start venturing into some deeper waters with him, until we let him drag us out into places unseen and unknown, where we really begin to develop this depth of trusting God. That's how Paul and Silas could sing praises in the middle of midnight in a jail cell. That's how Jesus could, could, could forgive people who had literally just hammered him to a cross. Those are the kind of things that, that happen as we walk with God. We begin to trust him in places that we were unable to trust him in before. I almost feel like at this point we should, we should preference our faith. Like when, when people begin to be interested in, in the gospel, we almost should ha have a disclaimer. Say, hey, if you really want to follow Jesus, just be forewarned. Some stuff's going to go down. Um, your life's going to change, and it's going to be awesome because Jesus wants a relationship with you. But there's, there's a downside to it in that he loves you enough not to leave you where you are, um, and he wants to break apart all those things in your life that hinder you from being with him. And you're going to go through some things. You're going to experience heartache and hurt and pain. Some people might be turned off by that. They might, might want to walk away from that. And I, and I think the reality is, is they get confused thinking that that won't happen anyways. There's no perfect world. The world's broken for, for every sinner, whether they know and, and follow Jesus or they don't. The difference is, is can, we, 
can we be faithful in the midst of our struggles? What's interesting is that he ends up finishing the statement with, why are you silent? This verse, and, I'm, and it's confusing because it doesn't seem that way, right? But have you ever felt God's silence before? Now, I don't know about you, but I have. There have been moments where I'm like, man, I, I've read this Bible, I've prayed today, I've sat in silence, and I, man, it just, I just don't feel them. Like, I don't even know if he heard me, like, did I miss something? Like, what's going on? And if you haven't, just keep going a little farther down the road. It's coming, I promise. And it's terrifying. It's that for a, for a believer, especially if you've experienced God's blessing of, of his presence, if you've been in his presence, if you've been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit before, man, when that's not there and, and you feel there's some distance, man, that is terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. But I want you to take note of something and why this seems really unusual. It says, why are you silent? But one, Habakkuk didn't say he wasn't listening. Sometimes we equate silence to indifference. Right? Like if, if my son is, is mad at me and he doesn't speak at me and he's giving me the silent treatment, he's definitely indifferent. <laughs> he does not care in that moment what I have to say. But we can sometimes confuse silence and indifference with God. God's going to speak when God chooses to do so, when it's going to glorify him, when he is ready and his plan is ready and his will so chooses to. And sometimes we... Get like small children sitting in the back seat and their parents are having a conversation with anybody else. Daddy, 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 dad. You've been there. If you have kids or if you know people with kids, that is not an unusual thing. We become impatient. And we want immediate results. And we've kind of, and you know, what's unfortunate is perhaps this is this way hundreds of years ago, but in our particular culture, and this time that we're in right now, that, it's a prominent issue. I mean, when do we not get what we want immediately? I mean, we have instant rice. I mean, you guys know how mind-blowing that is? In 90 seconds, I can have great rice. It's never happened in the history of man. I think that's a great technology. I don't know what you're talking about. But I mean, we have instant everything, right? We have instant mashed potatoes. We're on a food thing right now, okay? Um, we're on instant pots. You know what I mean? We, we've got instant streaming. We used to have to actually go to a video store. Do y'all, does anyone remember Blockbuster? We would have to go there on Friday night and get your movies and drive home. It was a thing. Now I'm like, man, there's like 15 movies right here on TV. I'm just immediately watching. Immediately. We like instant. And we, we've built a society around this. And so when God doesn't instantly respond to us, we get our feelings hurt. Right? But here's something else that's weird. God wasn't silent. God actually spoke. The problem is Habakkuk didn't like what he said. That was the real issue. It wasn't that God didn't say anything. He was like, no, I'm, I'm going to use these Chaldeans and I'm going to kill all those people. I told you that. He told them what he wanted to do and what he was going to do, and Habakkuk didn't like that. And, I mean, let's be honest. 
That's happened to some of us, right? I mean, it has. I mean, I feel like we can relate to that. We ask God for something, and his response is like, mm, I don't like that. Like, that's, mm-mm. God's silence is often related to our inability to actually hear a hard truth. Think about that for a minute. His silence isn't necessarily silence. It's just, I don't want to hear it. I'll be honest with you, one of the places in my life that was most evident was ministry. How long did you tell me, Aaron? Two years. Two years, people. I know she said it. I just couldn't hear it. Thought she was being silent. The selective hearing, right? I don't like it, so I don't have to listen to it. And we can be like that. God's truths are often so overwhelming. And we wonder sometimes why God doesn't tell us things more often, right? Well, how hard would it be to believe? How hard would that be to believe? Nine years ago, I was doing whatever I wanted to do. Had a marriage that was literally on fire. Like it was going, I was driving it into the dumpster as fast as I could get there. I had burned down almost every other relationship I had in my life. I was deep in depression. Nine years ago. That hadn't even been a decade. That's mind-blowing. One of my really good friends, Ricky Wilson, he actually just posted the other day. Ten years. Ten years ago, he was lost selling drugs on the street. God saved him. Now he's working for the Southern Baptist Convention, teaching men about discipleship, planting churches all over the place. Man, God can do so much in your life if you would just listen. Quit being angry because he hasn't spoken and actually listen to what he said to you. Listen to how he's speaking through other people, through his word, through his Holy Spirit. You'll be overwhelmed. But just because we don't like what God says doesn't mean we get to ignore what he said. And that's a hard truth. Because God is good and all the time. Man, we're getting so good at this. Y'all keep this up. We might almost end up being Pentecostal. I'm going to tell you. Don't go tell everybody they're worried about us. I know they will, Tom. They were talking during the service. Had some kids raising their hand. We're in trouble. So at this point, Habakkuk starts his formal complaint now. He's, he's launched into, he's told God how much he loves him and how, how revered he is. He's, he's spoken promises back to God. Now he's voiced his confusion. And he spends a minute here just, this is my complaint. You're going to use these Chaldeans? These are the people? This is your chosen weapon of choice? And there's two references here he uses, and there's so much depth to them. They don't serve the sermon, so we can't go into them deep. Uh, but you should look into it, and if not, I will have something for you to go along with it. But Habakkuk does one thing in particular. He compares mankind to fishes, specifically Israel, but men in general, like man in general. And he does so with the Chaldeans being fishermen, right? He says they have a hook and a dragnet and, and fishing nets. And he uses these three analogies, which each of them are actually referencing something that's be easily overlooked, but it's, it's, it's a form of technology, right? Each one of these is meant to be a more efficient step of doing the same thing. A hook could catch one fish, right? a, a, throwing, a, a casting net might catch a 20, maybe 50 if you're lucky. A drag net, though, now you're hauling them in. But understand this, the act of fishing is only an analogy for one thing, and that's warfare. And what the Chaldeans were really good at was warfare. They had taken the one hook and they had built a dragnet 
for warfare. They had managed to, to manifest technology in such a way to be destructive as possible. And that is what Habakkuk is so much struggling with. It's like, how are you going to use these people who literally worship their, their, their war machines that they have created? How, how are you going to use them? How, why would you choose to use them? They're horrible people. Their, their desire, their idolization, and their efficiency for warfare made them contemptible. And in, in Habakkuk's mind, he, he struggles greatly. Like, what do I do with this? And what do we do with that? What do we do when we don't understand God's will that he chose to do something? Right, how do we wrestle through that? I mean, think about our technology today, right? Like, literally, just this past week, there's, I would say in the last month, how many AI generators have been in the news? Right? Like, it's constant. There's, there's actually a thread that I follow with some friends of mine who are pastors that there are people using AI generators for sermons. You can tell I don't use that. <laughs> Probably don't think any AI would ever come up with a sermon like that, right? Um, but there's realities that they're trying to figure out how does that affect, uh, you know, the art and with the music world, like they have AI generators for music. How does that affect school and people being able to generate, you know, 100% autonomous papers generated by an AI machine? can't be tracked. Um, there's all these things that they're now pondering, and it, and it seems like in some ways, man, like this tech, we've really gotten to a place with technology. We've, we've turned technology to kind of even outdo our own creativity. And we can even become, idol, you know, idols of this. And I think it's interesting because it's so easy for us to think of idols in a paganistic way, like they worship the trees, or they have, you know, they worship Zeus and the weird Mount Olympus things, and the reality is, idolatry, idolatry is anything that takes God's place on the throne of our heart. Anything that would move him to the side in the way we live our life and how we function and what we think about. What are, we, what are our allegiance really to? And we can become so dependent on technology just to placate ourselves, right? We had a long day. Man, I want to get on Facebook and just zone out for like an hour. And then it's three hours later and it's time to go to bed, right? Like, it's so easy and natural. We gravitate into that. And something like that, something so small, we end up worshiping. Right? And, and, and it's something we have to be aware of. We see it here, and it's really evident, like, oh, the Chaldeans worship their technology, and they used, they used all this, you know, ability to create war to take over the world. And, but, I mean, we're not, we could be the same thing. So often we like to be the good guy. We like to be the Habakkuks and the, we like to be Elijah. And we don't realize now, like most of the time, we're the grumblers in the background complaining. You know, most of us aren't David. Most of us are the rest of the army. We're terrified because there's a giant out there screaming profanities. And we don't want to go against the mold. And that's just the reality. But we can faithfully follow God if we lean into these, recognize these, have God. Listen to God when he speaks us good truth. This passage carries on as, it, as he closes out. He actually ends his complaint with these two statements, and I think they're really, really good for us to lean into. And I would encourage you, lean into these this week. Let them, let them resonate a little bit in your heart. One of these statements is a statement of fear. He actually asks, Will the Chaldeans keep killing forever? Will they therefore empty their net and continuously slaughter nations without mercy? How long are you going to let them keep killing, God? How long are you going to let this go on? You're just going to keep rewarding them? 
for the evil they're doing? And this other statement is actually in verse 2-1. And it's the statement of expectation, which is kind of where we started today and where I hope we end. It says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on a lookout tower and I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall reply about my complaint. That first statement is the reality of taking our fears to the Lord, right? We talked about the relationship, the reality, the realness of what kind of relationship we should actually have with God. I wanted to take you to a, a familiar place. It's in Matthew 26, 39. And we actually preached on this right before Easter. And it's Jesus in, 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 in Gethsemane. And he's distraught. He tells his disciples, pray for me, man. I'm going to go over here and pray with the Lord. And he says, he goes a little farther and he falls face down. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And we spent a lot of time in that space. I won't spend as much today, but take this cup from me, right? Take these evil leaders away from me. That was his first response. Now he's like, take these Chaldeans away from me. Now we can utter these same kind of things. Take this pain away from me. Take this hurt. Take this heartache. Take this grief. Take this stress, this worry, depression, anxiety. Take this away from me. Why are we often so afraid to tell God what we're actually afraid of? Why are we afraid of that? Part of it may be because we idolize ourselves that much. Like, I can handle this. I know that, that was my mindset at some point. I can handle this. I got this, God. You're good. You've got other things to worry about. There's hungry kids in Africa. There's widows somewhere. I'm... I'm just in, in feeling my feels today. My emotions are abrupt. Maybe it's part of this it, is just we fear the reality of God actually changing something in our life. Because most of us desire that. I do believe most of us truly desire to see God do something amazing within us to change us. We want him to move in our life, but some, we, can't, we have the expectation he'll do that without actually giving him all of the, the life, all the mess. We just want to give them the good shiny parts. God says, I don't want all of it. I want all your mess. Every bit of it. There's a second conditional part, right? That we talked about, that, that heart of expectation. He says he would go to a tower and he would wait because God will respond. I mean, when was the last time you prayed with that kind of expectation? I mean, I'm, I'm honest, like... I don't think about it that way. Like, I pray, but sometimes I'm, it's, it's like, yeah, I want God to do some things, and I think he will. And Like, do I believe he will? Do I really, ex like, do I expect it? Not even just like, oh, I know he'll do it, but, like, do I expect it? Not just that he'll, he'll answer you, but he'll show up in your life. One of the key things to that verse in Matthew 6, 9 is, not as I will, but as you will. I think a lot of times what hinders us the most it's our will. We have a set idea. Like, I want God to respond like this. I need God to show up this way, right? 
I want them to come through in a way that I totally get, and it makes a lot of logical reasoning, and we can all like point at them, yeah, that was, but that's my will. Instead, maybe we should be a little more willing to think about what God's willing is in a situation, right? God, give me a healing, but heal my heart first, right? God, give me a blessing, but bless me with your presence above all else. God, take away this hurt and this pain and this fear, but, but may you be glorified through me as I walk in these things. One of the most beautiful psalms, Psalm 23, most of you know this. If you don't, don't feel bad. You should read it, though, because it's awesome. It says, in there it says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not if I walk through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, when, because I'm going to walk through there. It's going to happen. We all will have our wildernesses. We all have our valleys, our ups, our downs, whatever you would like to call it. Will God be glorified in that? Will his will be done in that? Or will we cower from that? See, that's the beauty of what God does in our life. When you serve a good God, it makes those valleys sufferable. It's not a word you might like to hear, but it does. It makes them bearable. It makes those hard days digestible. And we can endure through these things. We can love people who don't deserve it because we recognize neither did we. And it's not through our own strength, but through his, right? Because God is good. And all the time, Thank you for listening to the River's Edge Church Podcast. We want to encourage you to like and follow so that we might reach others with God's good news. You can hear more messages like this at www.theriversedge.church. Have a blessed week.